Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we start a brand new series called This Is Us. As we started advertising this series, some of the women in the room got excited. It has absolutely nothing to do with the TV series. It's just a great name, great name. Uh, The one thing that I guess it it will kind of relate to is is we're going to go back and forth. We're going to go to the past, where we've been, where we are, and where we're heading. And so if if that relates to the TV series at all, then then I I guess so. I guess we picked the right name for it. But, But this is truly a series that is about us as a church. I encourage you to be here every week of this series. I think it's important for us as a church family because I believe that this series is going to catapult us into where God wants us to go. And I believe it's preparing us right now. When I was around the age of around 11, 12 years old maybe, I remember walking up on a conversation with my mom and and another woman. They were having this conversation at church and I, I happened to walk up to this conversation and the woman was criticizing one of my older brothers to my mother's face. She was, she was telling her the things that she did not like about my older brother. And obviously this irritated my mother and she quickly came to the defense of my older brother. And I remember the conversation ending rather abruptly and, and we just kind of walked away. And the problem with the conversation was that I had heard my mother say some of the exact same things about my brother as this woman was saying. I mean, almost um, verbatim. I mean, almost identical. And so what was so wrong about what this woman was saying? And later, I would hear my mom explain it, and it made a lot of sense to me. My mom said, I never said what she was saying wasn't true, but that's my son that she was talking about. I get to talk about my son like that. I don't need anyone else telling me about my son's faults. Well, I want to echo those words today, church. I, I want you to understand that this is my church family. And for some reason, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I still can't figure it out. God has allowed me to become the father of this house. And, and, and it's an amazing experience for me. And, and I get to say things about you that others can't say. And it's because I love you and I want to see you succeed. I've never understood how a pastor can allow an evangelist or a guest speaker to come in and and criticize or bash his church members. And I've seen it before. Growing up in church, I've watched it happen where an evangelist comes in for for three days or a week or so, and and he just lets the church have it. I mean, he just pounds them. And then he's gone on to the next town, sharing the same exact message with the next church down the road. And I've never quite understood that. And, And I'll be honest with you. There are some of you that you have the ability to drive me, your pastor, insane. Just being honest, I want so bad for you to operate in wisdom and grace, mercy and understanding. I want that. And when you don't, it troubles me. It does. It keeps me up at night. You can ask my wife. But I don't need anyone else pointing out those faults to me. And if I'm completely honest, I recognize that I have my own faults and my own weaknesses also that you're probably very aware of. And I would hope and pray that you would extend 
the same courtesy to me. Don't get worried and feel like this is a series for the pastor just to vent. That's not what this is at all. It's not what it's about. It's about what we've been through, what we're going through, and where we are going to. That's what this series is about. And I recognize that in the history, in the 11-year history of Destiny Community Church, that there are experiences that are unique to our church that have made us who we are. And I want to recognize those experiences, and I want them to help us understand that what we have here is very special. You understand that, right? What we have here in this church is very special. I can stand before you with an honest heart today, and and I can tell you that there is absolutely no place that I would rather be preaching this morning. And, and, and I'm going to say something, and I, I just, I just want to say it, and then we're just going to just drop it and leave it right there. I've had opportunities to leave this church and go elsewhere. There's been some very great opportunities that have been placed before me. But I believe in my heart of hearts, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has called me here to be the pastor of this church. I believe that we, as a body of believers, are called to do some amazing things beyond our abilities, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to be a part of this. And I can tell you, honestly, there is no place on this planet that I would rather be preaching this morning From time to time, I get to speak at other churches or events, and I can just tell you, there's no place like home. There's no place that I feel more comfortable than being right here in this moment. And and I'll tell you uh, something that kind of crept into my mind recently is that I've become so comfortable standing on this stage in this middle school that I wonder to myself just for a moment, Rocky, will you feel that comfortable standing on a stage in a new facility And then it hit me. My family, Mandy, Caleb, and Kendall, we have moved numerous times and lived in different houses throughout our history as a family. And I still feel at home whenever I sit sit down on my couch and they're around. And I know that no matter where we call home as a church, we're still going to feel at home. It's you. You are the people that make me who I am. You are the people that that make me comfortable in ministry. And so with that said, I need you to understand that that as your pastor, this is not a series of, of reprimand. No, that's not it at all. This is a series of opportunity and saying, let's stay focused. Let's look at where God is taking us and where God wants to take us to. Let's look at that and let's do everything within our ability to make sure that our hearts and minds are ready for what God wants to do. I can tell you, I love you with all your quirks and with all your flaws. And I know that you love me with all of mine. This is my church family. These are the people that I want to do life with. This is us, right? Amen. You know, most people have never experienced a church's honeymoon season. And that's because they've never been a part of a church plant or, or a rebranding of a church. Usually if a rebranding will take a new pastor coming in and they will completely, completely revitalize the church. And that doesn't happen very often, at least not successfully. Most of you in the room, you've never been there at the beginning of a church plant. 
I remember 11 years ago when we were starting Destiny Community Church, we, we, we had a different approach than what other established churches had because we didn't have sacred cows that we had to turn over. We got to create our own sacred cows. Good or bad, that was the truth. Many churches that have been established for, for, for so many years that maybe you've been a part of in the past, um, they've been around for, for decades. And, and so when you went to that church, you never got to experience the honeymoon season that most churches experience at the beginning stages. When we first started in 2006, we definitely experienced a honeymoon season. Because whatever we put our hands to, it was blessed and ministry. I'm telling you, it was easy and it was fun. And there was this excitement that we had. We just wanted to see people just, just come. Just, just come get in a chair. Just, we got a, a chair for you, a place to put your butt. If you'll come sit there, we'll celebrate you. I mean, that's, that's the way it was. And so uh, it, it was so easy. It was so fun, so exciting. We had our fair share of challenges, but they were short-lived because we were growing every week. And at our one-year mark, facing overcrowding issues, we went to two services, and we were having services at that time in the student center across the street where we started the church. I was reminiscing this week, and um, I was reminded that when we first started Destiny Community Church, and some of you don't know this, but when we first started the church, my family, we lived in the double wide across the street that is now our church offices. Until we build our building, that is our makeshift church offices. But that's where my family lived. And I remember that Pastor Andrew and Deanna, they would drive up, even before they were married, they would drive up and they would stay with us and they would have a Saturday night youth service and then they would be there to help me on Sunday mornings. And, and shortly after that, they got married, but they would still drive up and, and stay with us um, because there's like 42 bedrooms in that mobile home. It's huge, it's huge. And on Sunday mornings, I, at, that, at that time, and I shared this with the, the praise team this morning as we were praying before service, but we've come a long way with our music, so far with our music. And, um, and I, I remember during that time, I was, I was leading worship. I was playing the keyboard, and I was leading worship. And I would preach at that moment. At one year, we went to two services. So I'd lead worship. I would preach two services. And, and while I was preparing for praise team practice, Pastor Andrew he would run down to Hitchcock's to the grocery store and he would buy juice and donuts and we didn't have a foyer and so he would he would set up chairs and tables outside in a little courtyard that's over there because we didn't have anywhere for the second service to to mingle some of you in the room are nodding your head you remember these days and and so he would he would set up tables and chairs and as I was ending the first service second service was gathering out there and, and then they would, they would swap, and first service would grab some donuts and juice on the way out, and second service would come in. And it was, it was just, it was our only way of knowing. We were trying to be innovative. We were trying our best to figure out how to make this work. And there was just this excitement because we were seeing so many new faces just, just come every, every week, every week. And when you're, when you're running like 75, 80 people, you know, you have four new faces that show up in a week. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a great increase, you know. And I'm not exactly sure when the honeymoon ended. But I know this is certain. God always remained faithful to this church. 
because we've continued to see waves of momentum push our church forward. And with more people, there's more problems. But through God's faithfulness, He still puts us through seasons of these waves of momentum, and we keep pushing forward. And God keeps adding to the church daily those who are being saved. Today, I want to teach out of the book of Revelation. I want to look at Christ, his seven messages to the church. And these letters, what you have to understand is that they do not speak of things to come like, like much of the book of Revelation does. These letters do not speak of the things to come, but they, they speak about the things which are. Many people believe that the last recorded words of Jesus to the church were the Great Commission. And that's not true. The last recorded message to the church was his stern, sovereign, and very specific call to repent to these churches. At that time, there were about 100 Christian churches in the entire world. We have 100 Christian churches right now on 39th Street, you know. <laughs> but at that time, there were about 100 Christian churches in the entire world. And Jesus chose to send messages to only seven of them. Now, it's probably because of their geographical location, how easy it was to get these, these letters to them. All seven of these churches were in a 100-mile radius of each other. And these seven churches represent the problems that are perhaps the most observable in all churches. If there is a problem in a local church... You can always find it addressed in one of these seven letters to the churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so I want to read this morning out of Revelation chapter 2. I want to read the first letter that Jesus sent to the church in Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 2. He says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You examine the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Just pause there in your Bible. Keep your Bible open. We'll return there in just a moment. I've watched this played out too many times in churches. Churches that were once a lampstand, they were a light to their community, some of them decades ago. But something happens, and, and, and all of us in the room, most of us anyway, we all know of that church that has lost its ability to shine. The doors are still open, but they have lost their relevance and their ability to reach the lost. And, and let me say this, relevance has absolutely nothing to do with musical style or preference. Something happened, and that church stopped shining a light to that community. Before we even launched Destiny Community Church, we laid a foundation for how we would cultivate relationships around this church. 
And for six weeks leading up to our launch service in, in 2006, and there's only a handful of people in this room that remember these days. For six weeks leading up to our launch, we would meet and discuss what it meant to be a life-giving church. I taught those few people that God intended for us to eat from the tree of life, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a message I have repeated a few times here in this church. Just as a quick reminder, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but, but in the garden, God told Adam, you may eat from the tree of life and from all the other trees, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the day that you do, you will surely die. Our death would begin at that moment. We were never meant to experience death, but that's what would bring it. The fruit of the tree of life, it is grace, it is mercy, it is forgiveness. And that's what our fruit, as, as the children of God, as a church, that's what our fruit should look like. When it comes to our church family, we should be full of grace, we should be full of mercy, and we should be full of forgiveness. But then you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit, it is shame, it is blame, it is bitterness. It is, it is all the ugly faces that we've seen all too often around a church. And the older a church becomes, the greater the potential for them to live in shame, cast blame, and operate out of bitterness. I want to say this today. This is preventive maintenance for us as a church. I don't believe this is us. But I don't want to turn and stick my head in the sand and ignore where churches usually end up. I want us to be as life-giving today as we were when we first started. For those of us that had a church background with that small core group that was meeting, we would allow the Holy Spirit to reprogram our legalistic mindset. And man, we had some things we had to work through. During that six weeks, God was changing us. And for those that were new to the faith, and there were, there were only a couple, they would enter into an atmosphere that was not judgmental. And it was this perfect scenario to launch a church in. Free of sacred cows. We were just excited to see anyone and everyone that would join and want to be a part of what we were doing. And it was this beautiful innocence. So beautiful. The older a church becomes, the greater the tendency to lose that, in, that, that innocence. It happens naturally as you begin to incorporate new standards, structure, and even policies. Has to happen. I understand the need for structure and red tape. I, I'm Mr. Policy. That's, that's who I am. It, 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 old positions at, at other churches, um, as an associate pastor, that's one of the requirements. That was part of my job description, is that I was the guy that would write the, the, the policy manuals. And so I believe in this. And, and you'll be thankful for some of these policies, because we need them as a church. You must run background checks on those who are working with children. Has to happen. There needs to be auditions to sing and play with the band. I've heard some of you sing. You take the scripture very seriously, make a joyful noise into the Lord, okay? 
there needs to be auditions. I, I remember our very first practice, I was sitting at a keyboard. I didn't even have a keyboard that I could stand up to. We didn't, we didn't have one. I had a sit-down a, a sit clavinova is what it was that we started leading from just to start our church. And I was sitting on the stage about to start band practice when this guy comes walking in from the back carrying his guitar and he walks right up on the stage and sets up. I never knew the guy. I didn't even know him. He just joins the band. Good to see you, brother, you know. But as time progressed, there was a need for auditions. You know, as, 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 the, as the pool gets larger and there's talent that comes in, put your best foot forward and we needed to have those auditions. You've got to help band members understand the importance of protecting their testimony on and off the stage. Those are policies that need to be in place. You need to properly vet the organizations and mission projects that you want to support. There needs to be financial accountability. So we created all of the red tape for that. And standards are necessary to ensure that a church has a long lifespan. But when we first started, we had a few people and a lot of ideas to reach more people. And that's just who we were. I remember we had an usher that stood at the door every Sunday passing out bulletins. He'd always walk in in his three-piece suit. But he would smell like he smoked a carton of cigarettes right before he got there. It's one of the first policies I ever had to put in place. And it was a verbal policy. I had to pull him aside and I just talked to him. I said, brother, I love you. You do a great job. But if you are going to greet people on Sunday morning, you cannot, must not, smoke before you get here and he was happy to do it innocence people started coming and we loved them and we just welcomed them right in and at dcc you could belong before you believed and i think that that is still the way that we are at dcc you can belong here long before you believe there's a place for you at this church, even if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because we know you stick around here long enough, you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want you to notice what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus. Like a great leader, Jesus builds them up before he breaks them down. Listen to what he says. He tells them what they've done right. He says, you've worked hard. He said, I notice you have worked hard. He said, you've exemplified great patience. Man, if that doesn't speak to our church right now, in the waiting, just waiting. He said, you exemplified great patience. He said, you did not tolerate evil people and you have suffered without quitting. But, but here's where you drop the ball. And Jesus says these words. He says, you got all that right, but here's where you messed up. You don't love me or each other like you did at first. You don't love me or each other like you did at first. In other words, there was a time when you loved me enough that you would extend mercy and grace to each other. And it's interesting to me that Jesus kind of lumps these two together, loving him and loving people. And he just kind of slams them together because he already said these words in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, when one of his disciples said, or, or one of the leaders of the law said, Teacher, well, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
love God, love people. Love God, love people. If you get this right, you're building a church on the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. Love God and love people. And I never want us to be guilty of not loving God and each other like we used to. When grace and mercy just flowed. Listen to verse 6. This is an interesting verse. He says, but this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. What you must realize about the Nicolaitans is that it, it was a name that was given to a group of misguided believers. They kind of had their own theology, and, and their name comes from the Greek word Nikola, which means let us eat. Some of you are like, let us eat now, pastor. Just let us go. Let us eat. Part of their ritual, get this, part of their ritual was to eat things that were offered to idols. That was one of their, their big theological differences. They saw nothing wrong with eating food, meat that had been offered on an altar to a, to a false god, to an idol. Now that Christianity was spreading beyond the Jewish borders, Gentiles, anyone who was not a Jew, they were hearing the message and they were receiving Christ. And this brought about a number of problems. I said, I, I remember saying this during those initial meetings with, with 15 people at first. I remember saying, as they come in, we are going to be taking on all of their problems. It's going to get messy at times. It's, going to get, it's, it's, it's not going to be as pretty as what we think it will always be. Because when you have people come into the fold, when you have new people that start trusting Jesus, you take on all of their problems and all of their mishaps and all the mess that comes with that. And some of the things that the early church, that what they were dealing with is you had Jews who were circumcised and Gentiles who were not. And there, there became this battle, this theological battle between should you be circumcised or not? There was this battle that took place on what types of food they could eat. Because if you were a Jew, you couldn't eat a pig. Couldn't eat pork. Is that not right? If I eat a pig, does that make me not a Christian? And then there was this issue, can I eat food that has been offered to idols? And they found a way. They would, they would, through mercy and grace, look beyond the circumcision issue. And then God, through a vision to Peter, he allowed unclean animals such as pork to be consumed. In other words, these were no longer deal breakers. But to eat meat that was offered to idols was, idols was strictly prohibited. In Acts 15 and 29, New Testament. This isn't Old Testament law. This is New Testament. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols. And just a little side note here. It also says abstain from eating food consuming blood. So for those of you that like to eat your steaks Well done is the only way to go if you're going to please the Lord. I'm just saying. Listen, as part of their routine, the, the Nicolaitans would consume the meat of animals that was offered and sacrificed to idols and false gods. And obviously, this displeased the Lord. But the church at Ephesus, they didn't like it either. The Christians at Ephesus thought, this is blasphemy. You cannot do this. So Jesus, in his great wisdom, he draws this comparison to help them realize that they are eating of the wrong tree. 
You're partaking of the wrong food. I hope you're starting to get this. When we are quick to judge, when we are quick to blame and slow to extend grace and forgiveness, then church, we too are eating from the food that is offered at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you want to blame, shame, and judge more than you want to forgive and love, you are eating the food of idolatry. When you would prefer to gossip about your brother or sister in Christ, you are eating food of idolatry. When you would rather stir up dissension, you are eating food of idolatry. When you carry bitterness and unforgiveness, you are eating food of idolatry. So be careful what you eat. Be careful. Tell somebody next to you. Say, be careful what you eat. Which tree are you eating out of? Listen to how Jesus ends this letter to the church at Ephesus. Oh, he just kind of wraps it all up, puts a little bow on it for us. You ready? Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give Fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Church, when we love God and we love people, we get to eat from the tree of life. We get to receive grace. We get to receive mercy. We get to receive forgiveness. Back in 2006, the first time that I taught this at DCC, actually before we ever had a church service. I told the church, you have my permission to reprimand each other. I said, if you're having a conversation with someone and there's bitterness there, if they're blaming someone, if they're shaming someone, in a gentle way, Ephesians 4 says, speak the truth in love, it helps others mature in Christ. In a gentle way, remind them. It's funny to me that I remember one of the families in the church, they came to me and they said, our, our child took that very seriously. And the child reprimanded the mom and dad. I don't know what conversation was happening, but they reprimanded the mom and dad. Church, I want to tell you something. And 11 years into it, I release you to do the same. If it's me, keep my heart pure. I need to stay in the tree of life. That's where I need to be. The church in Ephesus got so many things right, but the thing that Jesus was reprimanding them for was that they didn't love him and they didn't love each other like they did at first. Eleven years into this, I just want us to make sure that we're not allowing the enemy to creep in and, and to start putting thoughts and sowing discord in our lives at this moment right now where there's no problems. There's no problems. But I think we can just look at it and say, you know what? I've become a little relaxed at times. It's true. I, I'll tell you, the honeymoon is over. It's not as easy as it once was. It's all right. Our family's bigger. When it was just me and Mandy, we managed everything. Our time management was so much better. But man, once we had twins, whew, it was tough. The family grows. There's more problems. There's just, there's more things to deal with. But man, we love all of them. 
Well, we love Kendall, but, but Caleb's coming along, man, I'm telling you. Church, this is who we are. This was our foundation. It is still our foundation. Like it, love it, lump it. This is us. This is who we are. And this doesn't mean that we don't have problems. This doesn't mean that we don't have disagreements. This just means that through love, grace, and mercy, we handle them differently. And this is good news for some of you right here. You need this. This is our practice at Destiny Community Church. Right time, right place, right attitude. You can go to anybody in this church, right time, right place, and right attitude, and we can get something accomplished. We can come to an agreement from our dis disagreements, but we've got to do it. The right time, right place, right attitude, that means extending mercy, grace, and forgiveness through all of that. I want to do something this morning that I don't think we've ever actually done here at this church. Not, not this way anyway. I want us as a church to ask God, return us back to that original vision and let unity flow. Most pastors wait too late to preach a message like this. People are up in arms, people are, are, are hating each other, they're fussing, they're fighting. I don't ever want to give the enemy an opportunity to ruin what God has done in and through this church and what he's going to continue to do. And so today, I want you to stand and I want you to join hands all across this room. I don't care if you know them or not. They're part of your church family. Maybe you need to get to know them. Stretch across the aisles, join hands all the way across, all the way across this room. I get selfish sometimes. When I start thinking about the sacrifices that I made, my family made for this church, not even realizing that you would be here. But reality hits when I realize that Christ died for this church. It's not my church. And I will spend my lifetime preparing this church for another man. And I'm okay with that. Father, I pray that you would let us return to our first works. Let our love for you be more passionate than ever before. Out of that, Lord, I pray that our love for our brothers and our sisters would flow rich and free, Lord. We refuse to go down the same path that so many churches have gone down before us. We want to be a life-giving church. We understand the need for policies and procedures, Lord. God, never let us get so caught up that we forget about humanity. God, I speak to us as a church. Let unity flow. From the oldest to the youngest, Lord, let unity flow through this church. 
let our hearts break when one of us is in trouble and need and despair. Lord, let us celebrate when something happens that blesses one of our lives. God, never let us be jealous of what you're doing in our brothers' and sisters' lives. God, let us celebrate your blessings on them. to love you and love others the way we once did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.